Shabbat Shalom. I want to go over a message today called How Our Values Shape Our Life. How Our Values Shape Our Life. Uh, in Revelation 12, 9, it talks about the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent being called the devil and Satan, he deceiving the whole inhabitable world. So we talked about this a lot, how Satan has deceived the whole world. But I want to talk today how he does that. And I want to talk about it not so much for the aspect of the world, but the aspect of us to understand how not to be deceived. Another scripture we go to a lot is 2 Timothy 3, right? In the end times, there'll be perilous times. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, braggarts, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, wicked, without natural feeling, addicted to lust, slanderers, without self-control, savage, haters of good, traitors, hasty boasters, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of Elohim, having a form of righteousness but denying the power of it, even turn away from these. And I think the whole world today, not just the religious world, but the world today, having a form of righteousness but denying the power of it. You know, you look at the world today and what do they do? They're all for animal rights, right? They're all for saving the planet and global warming. And yet the same people will be out there uh, beating people up and fighting, even being violent over the woman's right to kill the fetus that's in her, her stomach. So they try to act like they have a form, you know, of righteousness, but they deny the power thereof. You know, Yahweh Elohim has basically been <clears throat> denied in this society and when you look how in the last decade how can we go from because there were ups and downs right you go to the time of Noah and we see wow that's not that far from creation you know and and at that time already you have such a vile world next to this one probably most evil time the world has ever known to the point where Yahweh had to destroy the whole earth so we've had ups and downs and We came out of the 1700s and 1600s and 1800s where there seemed to be more of a morality that was there and people seemed to have more of a a, a, some form of belief in the Bible and some form of respect for judicial order and respect for Elohim and whatnot. And how do you go from that to what we have today? And it has been progressive. I did a message a while ago a while ago called uh, the progression of the end times and we do see <clears throat> from the time that uh, the end times started with Israel being becoming a nation in 1945 and uh, the UN in 45 Israel in 48 and from that time you know we see that the 50s were worse than the 40s and the 60s and the 50s and the 70s and it has progressively gotten worse but in the last decade it has really gone off the charts. I mean, it's just unbelievable uh, how the belief system of people that have changed. And I see it in my own family, older uncles. And uh, even my dad was telling me things that he would have never thought of 10 and 20 years ago now that are normal. And that's what happens, that people are conditioned to things. How Satan will condition the world. And that's why television and uh even more than television now, internet, something where he can be broadcasting as the, the, uh, the evil power of the airways, right? The prince of the power of the airways. He can be 
broadcasting his propaganda 24-7. And that's what happens in communist countries. You know, how do, how do countries become totally communist <clears throat> and stop believing in Elohim? Most people in the country, it's because the propaganda that's given to them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, to the point where homosexuality becomes normal and killing of, of unborn babies become normal. And even the family structure, anything can be in the family structure. Today now, it's getting scary because even polygamy and all of these evil things are becoming normal in society. And actually, people just really, they're to a point where uh, because they're so evil and there is no standard of morality anymore, they basically just say whatever someone wants to do, just respect it and don't judge. So this is why I think this kind of message, how our values shape our life, is really, really important. So I want to start by going over the difference of values and beliefs. Because that's the first thing we need to understand. People, Most people believe, think that the important thing is our belief system, right? We have to have the right belief system. And that's, that is true. But I want to start off by setting the foundation that your values shape your belief system. And your belief system can change, but hopefully your values don't change. And we'll get into that shortly. So what are core values? They're moral principles or accepted standards of behavior that impact what is important in somebody's life, right? So if, if I were to say, what are your core values? This is the definition of what a core value is. It's your moral principles. The moral principles or accepted standards of behavior that impact what is important in your life. Our core belief system controls every decision we make in our life, right? So if somebody were to say to you, uh, hey, they're giving away free apples, you know, uh, down the street. You want to come and get some? And you say, yeah, I love apples. You know, I'll come. And, and, and then they say, why would they be giving away free apples? And they say, well, actually what happened was there was a storm and the door blew off of the store and the apples are just laying there. Well, if you had a core value of not taking something that's not your own, that stealing is wrong, you would say, no. No, that's, uh, that's not for me. So our core values control every decision we make in our life. But where does that come from? Where does our beliefs and our core values come from? So basically, our core values and our belief system, I'm saying now, basically, before you're a believer, they come from your parents, right? You start as a child and your parents... Then they come from school and teachers. And this is why it's so dangerous that before, even when there was a school system, face it, in times past, most parents uh, homeschooled their children. And if not, there was a, you know, they called the one-room schoolhouse like the Amish do. And basically you had somebody in your community that you trusted, you know, another parent that was teaching the children. But today, sending kids to daycare at actually three months old. <laughs> I mean, a baby just at the point where they're just a few months old, the parent is going back to work, the mother and the child is going to daycare and being affected. Don't think that that child at three months and six months and one year and two years isn't being affected. They're being affected more than when they're older. Like they say, 80% of somebody's core values and even their beliefs are in the first five years of your life. So it's those first few years that are extremely important to be putting those values into the child because that's going to shape the rest of their life 
that they come from that point. And here it is, giving them over to a school system that believes that uh, we came from an explosion and that Yahweh doesn't even exist, that Yahweh didn't create the world. And, uh, you know, teachers that could be homosexual, lesbian, whatever it could be. You know, so parents, school teachers, past jobs that you have, friends, right? Peer pressure. And then after, after you become a believer, then it's Yahweh in the Bible. So some people have a religious background before. You could have been Catholic, Protestant, Evangelical. Could have been, uh, you know, there's two million religions out there you could have been. But some form, most people were some form of a religion. And then from that point, they come into the truth. And where the problem comes in is, yes, you come to the truth and you change some of your beliefs, right? Oh, I didn't know that Saturday was the Sabbath. You know, I didn't know that, uh, you know, that uh, pork, we're not supposed to eat pork. I didn't know Christmas was pagan. But that's why I say your beliefs will change, but your core values probably don't change. Whatever core values you were brought up on, on honesty, integrity, loyalty, those things, they won't change. And this is why I want to show that your core values, depending on what they are, your core values, that will depend on how you enact your belief system. Because you could say something like modesty, and to 10 different people, it can mean 10 different things. So we had a belief system before we came a believer, which filters every single thing we learn in our life. You know, so suddenly the fact that you're baptized and suddenly that you realize that, you know, Yahweh's Sabbath is Saturday, not Sunday. And that pork is is not a a a a pig is not an edible animal that Yahweh made. And while Christmas really isn't a good celebration, but it comes from paganism. And now we start keeping the holy days and those things. Everything that you learn to that point, though, will filter on how you keep those things. And that's why sometimes it's appalling that you could see uh, people that are baptized, brethren, some of the things they're doing, they're watching, they're reading, uh, how they even keep the Sabbath day. I know when I was in Church of God, it was totally normal to go out to restaurants on the Sabbath. Never thought about it because that was a church doctrine. And I wasn't brought up a Sabbath keeper. So for me, going out to a restaurant, just I never thought about it, that it's something that violates scripture at that time. So our environment and our culture also mold the thought pattern, right? So when you're looking at your core values and your beliefs as a child coming up at the time you're a believer, your environment and your culture is definitely going to play a big part of it. And that's why somebody who was born in Africa will not have the same belief system or core values as somebody from, say, North America. It'll be very different. And that's why you look at most Laodiceans come from where? From the first world. And it's because, not because of, of, of their belief after they became believers, it's because of their core values before they became believers. And they didn't have those core values. You know, you look in America, you have a divorce rate of almost 60%. You have, you know, a lot of broken families. Uh, this, the public school system is horrible. So a, a, a person that could be 25 years old and come into faith, say, in, in Babylon, United States, their, their whole core values and belief system will be totally different than somebody who grew up in, say, Kenya or grew up in South Sudan. It's like night and day. So this is why we have to realize this, that there's no magic pill that baptism brings that simply because you come to the knowledge of the truth that it's going to change your core, your, it's going to change your core values. 
This is something you have to do yourself. You have to work on. And that's why I talk about neuroassociative conditioning. What is neuroassociative conditioning? It affects every person on the planet. It's because Yahweh made us with a nervous system. And what happens as a child, all those experiences and all those things we're learning as a child and all those rules that we're learning, like I said, from either our parents or our teachers or our friends, whatever it is, they're going into our nervous system. And that nervous system is creating a belief system there and it's giving response to our brain. So this is why, you know, like I say, when somebody comes and says, oh, you know, uh, we're having raviolis for dinner. And you say, ooh, raviolis. Well, why? What's wrong with raviolis? When I was six years old, I ate raviolis and I threw up. And since that time, I can't look at them. Well, you probably don't even remember what a ravioli looked like or what it tastes like or anything about it. All you know is your neural association to that ravioli is your mind remembers ravioli, throw up, ravioli, throw up. And a lot of times what happens, what I've seen, not only in my own life, but in many people's lives, is things that happened when you were younger like that, that you thought you didn't like, then all of a sudden you try it and it's like, oh, mushrooms really are good. You know, or this really is good, whatever it is, you know, that people start really liking something because you break the pattern, you break the neural association. So most people coming into faith, they're only thinking of changing those surface things. They're thinking, wow, I got to keep Saturday instead of Sunday. I have to eat uh, chicken instead of pork. You know, I have to keep the holy day. And of course, you do have to do those things. I'm not diminishing that. Those are the basic things of the sanctification to get us on the road to holiness. They don't lead to holiness in themselves. Eating chicken and not eating pork is not a holy act of itself. But it's a way to sanctify you so you can be holy. So you need to not look at just those beliefs. You need to look at your core value of how you understand the belief and how you enact the belief. Okay? So, again, core values are your moral principles or accepted standard of behavior that impact what is important in your life. So what are some of the core values that we should have from Scripture? Love Elohim with all our heart and soul. That should be a core value. Honesty, integrity, loyalty, hard work, loving neighbor as self, importance of family, never quit or compromise, always follow judicial order, Always give your best in everything you do. Respect for Elohim. So this is the basis for what our core values should be. Okay, And what are all these things? All these things basically come from the Ten Commandments. And that's why the Ten Commandments, apart from the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day was part of those Ten Commandments at creation that were meant to mankind. That's what Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says. That this is what makes man complete. But because they rejected, Adam rejected Yahweh's way. The Sabbath became a sign for the family of Yahweh and not for the world. But the other nine commandments are basically all these things I'm talking about. Of honesty, integrity, loyalty, hard work, loving neighbor, self, importance of family, never quitting or compromising, always follow judicial order, always give your best, love Elohim with all your heart and your soul. Respect of Elohim. So this is what it is. These should be where these core values should be shaping your belief system. And if you get the belief before the value, then you're in trouble. You know why? Because like we said, beliefs can change. You know, sometimes you could talk to someone and say, oh, you, oh no, 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 I'll never change my belief. And yet every one of us has changed our belief. 
You know, when you were a Catholic or you were a Protestant or you were an evangelical, you probably said the same thing. Oh, no, no, I'll never change my belief. And every one of us have. Because when we found out that our belief was inaccurate and we're seeking truth, we're not seeking, you know, a, a belief. We're seeking truth of doctrine. We're not just seeking a belief for the sake of belief. Then we were willing to change. So what's the difference between a value and a belief? Like we said, the value is the moral principle or accepted standard of behavior that impact what is important in your life. Yet the belief, your belief is the set of accepted convictions. That one is accepted on what is right and what is wrong and what is true and what is false. So a belief is simply a conviction that any individual accepts on what's right and wrong and true and false. So somebody has today has a belief that the earth is flat, you know, and they really think that that's true. Somebody else has a belief that 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 homosexuality is a life choice and they really, really believe it. They're not doing it in deception. They really believe that, that it makes no difference. It's a life choice. So this is why I say the fact that somebody believes something doesn't make it true. It's just a conviction that that individual has. And that's why our belief system will change, but our core values should never change. Because honesty, integrity, loyalty, hard work, loving Yahweh with all heart and soul, loving neighbors yourself, importance of family, never quitting or compromising, always following judicial order. These are not beliefs. These are values. This is something that should shape every single thing we do in our life. And that should never change. The belief might change. But the value will never change. So let me go over uh, to, to, to give some examples of this. Why without the core value, the belief is, is, is really, I'm not going to say immaterial, but could be very much weakened. If you don't have the, the proper core values, your belief system really is weakened, even if you have the right belief. Let's take something like tithing, right? What is tithing? Tithing is... 10% of everything you earn goes back to Yahweh. So if you don't have the core value of honesty and integrity and loyalty, what's going to happen? You could believe in tithing. You say, yes, I definitely believe in tithing. But if you're short on rent that month, you're not going to tithe. You're going to use your tithe to pay your rent. Or what will happen? Maybe, you know, you'll take from the tithe for something else. So it, it, even though you know that taking from the tithe, the tithe is Yahweh, that it's stealing. If you don't have a core value of honesty, integrity, and loyalty, you'll do that. You'll figure, you know what? I tithe most of the time, but you know, if, if my rent is due, you know, I got to pay the rent. Yahweh wouldn't want me to not pay the rent. And what you'll do is you'll compromise on your belief system if you don't have the proper core value. And that's why I say the value has to come before the belief. If the belief is there without the value, then you're going to change the belief. Resting on Shabbat, right? Everybody has the belief. Every believer, let's say, Sabbath believer. But if you look at Church of God and Seventh-day Adventists and even the, uh, the Messianic movement of Shabbat keepers, their belief in the Sabbath will be totally different. Many people cook on Shabbat, even though it clearly says, bake what you have to bake, boil what you have to boil on Friday on preparation day. But people will still do it. People work on Shabbat. Many in the Messianic movement, if they need to work on Shabbat, they will. Because they say, I have the freedom in the new covenant to do this. Because they don't have the core values of what? Of never quitting or compromising. Of loyalty. 
You know, it's a matter of loyalty because Shabbat is a, it's a family sign of the people of Yahweh. And it is disloyal to work on Shabbat and it is the death penalty. Being honest and, and, and having integrity, importance of family. It's a family day Shabbat. So that's the point of it. And even in life, you'll look at this, that people will say, oh, my priority is my family. But then yet, a father sometimes, like the, I, I read, I think it was last year, that the average father spends uh, uh, one minute and 32 seconds of quality time with their child a week. Can you imagine? A minute 32 a week? Or uh, is it a day or a week? I don't remember. But something like that. Whatever it is, whether it's daily or weekly, it's not a lot of time to spend with your child. A minute and, and, and 32 seconds. And it's because their core values are off. They'll say my child is more important or my family is more important, but because they don't have the core value of family first, importance of family, they'll compromise. They'll compromise with their belief because they don't have the core value. Feast observance, you know. Okay, so we all believe we have to keep Pesach and Sukkot and Shavuot and Yom Teruah and these things, right? Yom Kippur. But according to your core values, uh, do you come to get more than you give? You know, I was, I mentioned in a sermon before that uh, last year when I was at a conference at the Knesset and I learned the, uh, the, the motto of the conference was the sum is worth more than the individual pieces. I love it because that's the family of Yahweh. The sum is worth more than the individual pieces. Individually as one piece, we're nothing. It's just like putting a, a, something together, putting together a juicer. <laughs> if you only had one piece of the juicer, what good is it? There's nothing, you, even if it's the motor. There's nothing it's going to do without the other pieces to it. So the sum is worth more than individual pieces. So when you come to the feast, you come to give more than you get. Are you willing to serve? Wanting to see your spiritual family following judicial order with no complaints? It all depends. And that's why you could have two people that came to the same exact feast site. And one comes back and says, it was the greatest feast in the world. It was so great. The sermons were great. The fellowship was great. And somebody else can come in. Oh, that feast was terrible. Oh, the food was too salty. My feet swelled up. You know, uh, oh, we did so much touring. I was so tired. You know, oh, every night they had a Bible study. You know, I didn't get much rest. So depending on your core values is going to depend on something like that. And that's why I say your belief system is not based on truth. It's based on your conviction, what you think is true. And that's why the guy out there that thinks the earth is flat and he'll sit there and reason with you and argue with you or that the, or that the Sabbath rotates by the moon. They really believe it. Satan has deceived the whole world. Satan has deceived the whole world. Can you imagine it? It's really sad. It's sad to think that even people at one time that were true believers have fallen that much. And it's because they don't have the core values. Because they're seeking a belief system before seeking the values. The core value is the foundation of your life. It's the foundation of every decision you make. And you have to really look at this, to having your core values before your belief system. So, repentance, like I say, don't ask what is sin, but ask what is holy. So, why? Why do at least 50% of the people in the day we're living in that get baptized, don't receive the Holy Spirit? Is it because Yahweh is, is, is only giving His Holy Spirit to half of the people? No, of course not. It's because half the people are not repenting because in their core values, they don't understand what repentance really is. They think it's simply saying they're sorry, but never taking accountability and changing for those things. That's why we have the 25 lessons that we 
I, I encourage every single person in the congregation, every true believer, to go through those lessons at least once a year. Because the lessons are how our core values are and how we will interpret the doctrine. So how our core values are is how we will interpret the doctrine. Like modesty, right? If I say women need to be modest, sure. And I don't think anyone will, well, I shouldn't say anyone, but at least anyone in the congregation would would disagree with that, but what modesty is. To people in the world, and people in congregations, even sometimes in, in, in uh, Judaism now, having your, your, your skirt at, at your knee, they think is modest. You know, oh, she was immodest. Her skirt was above, uh, above the knee. Having your skirt at your knee is not modest, according to Yahweh. And it's Yahweh's standard. It's not my standard, but that's what he says. When the priest, when you make the altar, do not make it with steps. Make it with a ramp so that your nakedness is not shown. Literally, then, if, if, if your skirt is above your ankle, Yahweh is saying it's nakedness being shown. It's immodest. So we have to look at, again, not the core values that we learn from our parents or from the world or from our teachers or even ourselves or experiences. We have to look at core value from Scripture. So now, how about this? Uh, somebody who believes in evolution, divorce, freedom at any cost, right? America, they just uh, uh, recently had their July 4th big celebration and President Trump had all of these uh, airplanes and tanks and all these things, right? And that's what the American way is freedom at any cost. That's the most important thing in our life is freedom. What does that tell you? Why in the end time do we see that people are lovers of self, arrogant, blasphemous? Because if freedom is your most important commodity, <laughs> then yeah, then those things, you're going to be arrogant because you're going to think that, that you have the right to do whatever you want for yourself. Freedom at any cost, abortion, cohabitation, immodesty. What will their core values be? People that believe in these things, what are their core values? Their core values will be whatever feels good, do it. Defend somebody's right to freedom till death. You know, and this has been the famous saying, I forget who the poet was who said it. He said, I may disagree with what you're saying, but I'll fight for my life, your right to say it. In America, the right of free speech. But that's not in Scripture. We don't have the right of free speech in Scripture to say whatever we want, whether we're gossiping, maligning, lying. And yet that's part of the American Constitution. As a matter of fact, it's the very First Amendment is the right of free speech. And that's what they always say. Oh, he's trying to come against the right of free speech. So, defending somebody's right to freedom, if these are somebody's core values, you know, then we see why the world is the way they are today. Conviction before honor. You know, as long as you're conviction, it doesn't matter if it's honorable. Lying is okay if there's a good reason, right? So, I didn't, you know... Uh, Somebody uh, asked, did you like the dinner that they made for you? And you said, oh, yeah, it was great. And then afterwards, you know, your family, but you said it was horrible. You said you didn't like, well, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. So is lying okay if you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings? You know, so lying is okay if there's a good reason you could lie. Yet the commandment says thou shalt not lie, period. Abortion is a woman's right to choose. Homosexuality is a life choice. People can do what they want as long as they're not hurting somebody. So these are the core values of the world. So when you're looking at how could the world change, how could we go from Little House on the Prairie 100 years ago to what we're at today? Because in that time, people might have had a belief 
and women wearing skirts and modesty and these things. But, but the conviction has changed. And they might have had the conviction even back then. But you know who hasn't changed in their conviction? The Amish. <laughs> the Amish hasn't changed in their conviction. Maybe some have. I'm not going to say every list Amish hasn't because they've had breakoffs and troubles the same as everybody else has because they're human beings. But overall, the Amish community has kept their conviction because of their core values. It's their core value. So let's look at, let's say, electricity. Is electricity wrong? Is electricity sin? Of course not. But they were smart enough to know way back then in the late 1800s, where will this lead to? You know, what will come into our house through electricity? Without even knowing there was going to be television, internet, and all those things. But they were smart enough to look one step ahead and say, you know what? It's not willing to take the chance. Because our core values are so much on honesty and integrity and loyalty, right? And modesty and, 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 and not being a pleasure seeker. Their core values were so strong that they weren't willing to take that chance. And here we are 300 years later and they're still doing it at the peril of the world, right? As the world is going down. So our values drive our beliefs and the beliefs may change. But your core values should never change. So like I said, your belief may change, but your core values should never change. Sunday to Sabbath, Christmas to Sukkot. In a world where core values are changing quickly, we need to reinforce them, right? Because through social media and internet and iPhones and all these things, Satan, the prince of the power of the airways, is 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. He's broadcasting these things... And people's core values are changing. Okay, People that were brought up strictly, maybe in Catholicism or some other religion, are now believing that homosexuality is okay. Who a person chooses to love is their choice. Yet the Bible says it's a perverted sexual act that's abomination to Yahweh because it's against nature. It's not the way that Yahweh made. He made male and female and he made for a uh, a, a man to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, a woman, and the two become one. And that's what he made it. He did not make for sexual union between two men or between two women or between anything else out there for that matter. So, like I said, your beliefs may change, but your core values should never change. And that's what happens with Yahweh. Malachi 3.6. Malachi 3.6. I am Yahweh. Do not change. Because of this, you sons of Jacob are not destroyed. So Yahweh may change his mind, right? Remember with Moses, he was going to destroy all the Israelites. He changed his mind, but he doesn't change his core values. Yahweh may change his mind, but he doesn't change his core values. Hebrews uh, 38, Yeshua Messiah the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeshua Messiah the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same with Yeshua. He may change his mind, Right? Remember the, the, the woman in Matthew 15 that came from Syria and she said, my daughter is sick, help her. And he said, woman, I came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Is it right to take the children's food and give it to the dogs? And what did she say? Even the dogs get the crumbs under the table. And he said, because of this, okay, I'll heal her. So he changed his mind, but he didn't change his core value. You know, that he was working first through the house of Israel. That when somebody becomes a believer... Even if they're, they're a Gentile, they're grafted into the house of Israel. His whole plan of salvation didn't suddenly change simply because 
of, of one whim. And this is the problem that I don't think people really look at their core values. I don't think most people even know their core values. And I think people don't realize, even believers, their core values are changing the way the world is. And this is why I see believers that are willing to compromise. You know, I see they're willing to compromise because the world around them is compromising and they're not strengthening their core values. And how they're looking at something is changing. Their belief is changing because their core values were not there. So, as believers in Yahweh, what should be our goals? What should be our goals as believers? Becoming the complete believer, bearing fruit, preparing for position in the kingdom of Yahweh. These should be our goals, right? As, as a true believer in Yeshua, our goals should not be the goals of the world, you know, who go out there and spend 10, 15, even up to 20 years in school for some job that'll be uh, non-existent when Yeshua returns. But our goal should be becoming the complete disciple, the complete believer, bearing fruit, preparing for position in the kingdom, being the best possible spouse, parent, brother, sister, neighbor, worker, employee. Because life is a test. Yahweh made some of us male, some of us female, some of us with one color, some another color, some living here, some living there. For no reason, it's all a test. So it doesn't matter where we are, what whether we're male or female or Jew or Greek or bond or free, it makes no difference. Everything is a test. But in that test is to see, you know, how we'll be as a spouse, as a parent, as a child, as a brother, as a sister, as a neighbor, as a worker, employee. So everything is a test to see will we stay true to our core values or not. Serving the widow and the less fortunate, the orphan. These should be our goals. As believers, these should be our goals. But if your core beliefs... And your values are coming from the world. What do you think your ambitions and goals are going to be then? Right? Getting a lot of money and possessions. Get best job for yourself. Find a husband and wife to serve you and treat you the best you want. Treat people good only if they treat me good. Only work for what I'm paid for. Always be compensated for what I do. And don't give too much. Don't give too much, only out of your abundance. I've seen this with believers sometimes, where believers are very good-hearted, and they're giving to the poor, and family members will tell them, don't give that much. Why are you giving that much? You're not going to have as much for yourself. Because you have to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you have two coats and your neighbor has none, you give them one. But to the person that they, ha- they don't have those core values and beliefs, what are they going to say? Don't give too much, only give out of abundance. I remember one time a good friend of mine when I was in high school and when I came to faith and uh, I was talking to him and he was trying to tell me, you know, I was trying to share with him when I came to faith what Yeshua did in our life. That as sinners, you know, he came to earth. He paid the penalty of our sins. He suffered. He was humiliated. He was beaten. For 33 years he spent in an earthly body and went through sickness and sorrow and all these other things to know how we're feeling. And he did all these things for us. And shouldn't we, shouldn't we give everything we have as a human back to him to help in any way we can? And this guy's answer was, he puts a dollar in the basket every Sunday. You put a dollar in the basket every Sunday and you think, you know, that, 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 for what Yeshua did in your life and died for your sins? And his answer to me was, well, I guess we're equal. I guess we're even. That was his answer. But that's the way the world, that's the way the world looks. 
And that's the problem. Like Genesis 6, we are living today, Genesis 6, all over again. Without the spirit of Yahweh and those core values. And that's why sometimes you'll see somebody who's not a believer, but they won't lie or they won't steal. It's because they were taught that from their parent or they were taught that from their grandparent. But that's going to the wayside because the grandparents and the great-grandparents are dying and we're only left with the bottom of the barrel of this Generation X and, and all the other stuff that they call these people. And we are really left now with the days of Noah. So the core values that might have even been there 20, 30 years, even to people that might have not been believers, but maybe they were religious in another sense, they're going out the window. And that's why I say even my father in that generation, I can't believe, that are accepting homosexuality in some of these things. So this is where we have to make sure that we're not being like the core. We're not being, our goals are not the goals of the people in the world. And, and, and the fruit is the outcome. So they're bearing fruit as well as we're bearing fruit. The only thing is some will be good fruit and some will be rotten fruit. So the outcome of our efforts are based on our values, our beliefs, and our goals. So if you have a good, solid foundation of core values, and that brings a good, solid foundation of your belief system, that means you're going to have a good, solid foundation of goals in your life, and the end result is going to be becoming the complete disciple, bearing fruit, preparing for position in the kingdom, being the best spouse and brother, sister, neighbor, whatever, and serving the widow, the less fortunate, and the orphan. And you are going to be so happy in your life because you're fulfilling this. And you will bear fruit. No doubt, our core value leads to the rules we live by, right? So your core values are going to lead to the rules we live by. Like I said, the person that comes, you know, hey, you want to get some apples down there? Nobody's around. They're out in the street. I remember one time when I was a child, I was only maybe about uh, seven or eight years old. And there was a big fire. Uh, we lived in Jersey City across from New York. And there was a gigantic fire at a sneaker factory. I mean, the whole thing was up in flames. And people were coming down there by, by, by the van load and just taking all the sneakers again. And I guess in that case, anyway, they were burning. They were never going to be used again. But I'm thinking, wow, are you given permission for that? If you're given permission, it's one thing. But just because the place is on fire, it doesn't mean you're given permission to take the sneakers without paying for them. And that gets back to a core value, right? A core value. And that's what, you know, I was saying before, that uh, if you look at the uh, core value of, of lying is okay as long as there's a good reason. Stealing is okay as long as it's, it's a good reason like that. But that's not our core value as believers. Core values lead to the rules we live time. Sometimes people will make their own rules by the values of their man-made belief system. So this is another thing. So our core values, like I said, come from the Ten Commandments. But there's people that come into the faith and they have these beliefs. Like I said, the belief that a ravioli is bad because when I was six years old, I threw up from eating ravioli. But that's not the only belief they have because that belief, whether they eat ravioli or not, affects them. But they'll have these beliefs uh, like never raise your voice if you respect somebody. And then what happens is according to their belief system is even according to if you're raising your voice or not. Because you know what? That's an arbitrary thing. Because everybody's voice is different. There's people that talk loud and then there's people who talk like this where you can barely hear them. So in their mind, they become judge and jury to who's talking loud and who's not talking loud. Where's the Bible tell us how many decibels is loud and how many decibels is not loud. But according to that belief system, 
You know, they're going to decide. You're raising your voice. You're disrespecting me. And it's not necessarily true. Never walk out of the room if you respect somebody. Right? And I've given this example before at the school. You know, so there's two people that have these beliefs. One's belief is if you raise your voice, you're disrespecting me. One's belief is if you walk out of the room, because my father never, my mother never walked out of the room with my father. Now all of a sudden the person's just talking his normal voice. And the person thinks, ooh, they're speaking loud to me. And they don't know what to do, so they walk out of the room. So now you have this big problem there over nothing, over somebody's faulty belief system. Because there wasn't a problem on either end, it's just the one person had this belief, he's raising his voice, he's got disrespecting me, and the other person had the belief, she walked out of the room, she has to be disrespecting me. And this is why we have to watch for putting our personal belief system in the place of Yahweh's Torah. Uh, Never borrow from anybody, that's a belief some people have. Never borrow from anybody because you're going to owe somebody back. And there's brethren out there that are good brethren, loving brethren. And they'll give, give, give. And then you try to give to them. No, I don't want it. And they won't take it. You know what they're doing? They're stealing your blessing away. Because there's a giver and there's a receiver. And we should never always be the giver. We should never always be the the receiver. So here it is. But if they have that faulty belief system, never borrow from anybody. And maybe it came from their parent who came or grandparent who came from the depression. You know, but that's the point of it. Never ask for help. You know, it's a sign of weakness. It's a sign, you know, their pride will never ask for help. You know, other people, it's not just modesty, but your skirt has to be down to your feet. If it's not down to the feet, then, you know, then you're doing something wrong. Don't wear short sleeves. That's another one sometimes. People, if you're wearing short sleeves, that's in modesty. These are all things that they're adding to the word of Yahweh. Coffee is a drug. Tea is a drug. You know, unless on the Sabbath, unless you stay to 8 o'clock at night in fellowship, then you're, you don't have zeal for Yahweh. Well, where does the Bible say that? It says have, have a holy convocation. Some people have it Friday evening. Some people have it Saturday morning. Some people have it Saturday afternoon. There's no time to it. You know why? Because everybody's situation is different. And in your local area, you have to decide what's the best time to meet. You know, it's not always practical to meet every Sabbath. If you're not living in the same town and you got to travel hours and hours and hours, right? So these are the things you have to look at. And people can't bring their own self-righteousness making these rules that if you're not willing to travel five hours every Sabbath and meet, then that means you don't have zeal. No, maybe it means that they want to study their Bible and, and there's other things that they, they want to do on Sabbath sometimes too. Uh, you must sing at least a half an hour. You know, some people say that. I know I came from Church of God. It was the three songs and out, you know, three songs and out at the end. So I'm not saying it should be that way. Uh, usually when we do our song service, we do it as long as it lasts. If it's three songs, great. If it's 20 songs, great. We just, everybody just says a number of the song and we sing the song from the book. So it's, it's not canned, but at the same rate, we're not going to sit there, oh, we didn't sing half an hour. We, we're, we're not zealous as before. So we need to look at our belief system and make sure that it's based on our proper core set of values of the Torah and not our own self-righteousness. We have to realize that if you're trying to bring these beliefs in the congregation that are not scriptural, you know, then it's, it's, it's self-righteousness. And that's why Paul even talks about this in Romans 14 with people that were vegetarians. You know, they were trying to, because of meat sacrifice to idols, they didn't want to eat any meat at all. And then they thought that they were more spiritual because they were vegetarians and the other ones weren't. And it's like, no, the kingdom of Yahweh is not meat and drink. And yes, we should try to be as healthy as possible. And uh, what we know, and like I say, 
be careful of the internet there too, because there's a lot of things on the internet that are not true, you know, and that could get you very sick actually. So we want to make sure that you're doing your research correctly, but then we have to respect each person, you know, and the person who's doesn't eat the meat is no better than the person who does eat the meat. But we have to respect each other. Because like I said, the kingdom of Yahweh is not meat and drink. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 26. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 26. says, I, So I run accordingly, not as uncertainty, so I fight as not beating air. But I conquer and subdue my body, so that by any means when I preach to others, I myself will not be disapproved. So, like I say, all these things are coming from our nervous system, the neural associations that we've created from birth. We didn't ask for them. We were not, uh, you know, our parents didn't uh, have a computer and instill programs into us. Although now they're talking about doing that, being able to put a child, if you want to be a piano player, you just put some kind of DNA in there. But we basically, all of us grew up from Satan's world. So all of us have faulty beliefs and maybe faulty core values that we need to look at and we need to change. That's the key to this. So, how do we do that? How do we do that? The first thing we have to do is, we have to look at our, everyone has a belief system. So, uh, I don't normally give homework during a sermon, but this sermon I'm going to give some homework to everybody. So that it could help you to, 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 to be a better believer. Uh, I, I want everybody to write down, write down three empowering beliefs in your life. In three disempowering beliefs. Because I don't think most people even know uh, or ever thought about their belief system. So I'm going to give you an example here from my own life. One of my most empowering beliefs is Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. But we know to the ones loving Elohim, all things work together for good to those being called according to purpose. So in my life... I believe that no matter what happens, if Yahweh allowed it, and if it happened, then he allowed it, it's got to be for the good. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if, uh, you know, you think you made a mistake, you know, and, uh, you know, your, your, your wife or your family saying, no, 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 you're going out to buy uh, bagels. And they're saying, no, no, don't go out, don't go out, you don't need to go out. And then you wind up going out and getting the bagels and you're in a car accident and you wind up uh, losing your legs. And then the rest of your life, you just keep saying, if I only didn't go get those bagels, if I would have only just eaten cereal that morning, whatever it is, I don't have that belief system. My belief is if it happened, then that means Yahweh allowed it to happen and he'd only allow something to happen that's ultimately for my good because that's what the scripture says. So I never have doubt in my life. When things happen, it makes me examine my life and say, hmm, what can I do better for the next time? How, how can I learn from this experience? But I never doubt it because what good is doubting it? Doubting it isn't going to change it and doubt is the worst cancer to your spiritual life because there's no such thing as one doubt. It'll bring in another doubt and another doubt. And you want to know something? Most of those doubts will be fake. Like we said, Satan is the prince of the power of the airwaves. Most of those doubts that Satan is going to bring are things that are false. And then you start questioning other people. And maybe he's this way. And maybe they did this. And maybe he looked at me wrong. And then you know what you're doing? You're, you're, you're not only lying to yourself, you're lying. You're breaking one of your, your core values is you're lying because it's not true. It's not true that, you know, the sister or the brother is against you or looked at you wrong or something. It's only because of your doubt. So Romans 8.28, if it happened, then Yahweh allowed it for some good in the future. My second empowering belief is the Bible is infallible. 
even if I don't understand something, it doesn't mean it's not true. That there's that Yahweh is infallible. He doesn't make mistakes. So if it's written in the Bible, it has to be true. And the third one, probably the most empowering in life, is Yeshua rose from the dead. I will also rise from the dead. Can you imagine that he was a, a human being that's dead, that's laying there in the grave, got up and rose up, which proves that Yahweh is true? And if Yahweh raised Yeshua, then that means Yahweh will raise each of us. So now we don't have to fear anything in this life. Fear not him who could take your physical body, but fear him who could take your body and your soul and burn it in Gehenna. So those are ideas of empowering beliefs. You need to write your own. And then what's a disempowering belief? I'll just give you one for time reason now. Uh, disempowering belief. Uh, I don't trust people because most people are evil. So that's interesting because that's actually a true statement. Most people are evil, right? But is that going to empower my life by meeting someone and immediately distrusting them? No, number one, it's a lie because not everyone is evil and I'm prejudging someone. It's actually being prejudiced. When I meet someone before they have, before me judging them, whether by what they do, the way Yahweh does, I'm just judging them that they're a person. So now I'm being prejudiced against the human race. That if he's a human, he's got to be evil, right? So how do, what I do is something called reframing. You know, if they throw lemons at you, make lemonade. You take the situation and you reframe it. So now I can take this disempowering belief and I can make it an empowering belief. How? By just changing it a little bit. Uh, I reframe it to say, I will make people earn my trust. So now, instead of saying, well, I don't trust anyone because all people are evil, I'm saying, I'll make people earn my trust. That way, since most people are evil, I'm not going to be taken advantage of time after time after time. But by making people earn my trust, once they've earned my trust, now I have somebody there that I can trust. And somebody there who will be a good friend and somebody there who, who, who I, I can rely on. So in ministry, I have 250 elders and deacons I, that, that work with me. And I have to know who I can trust and who I can't trust. And not every person who is, has, has been an elder, comes from an organization, has been a good person. And some of them have been outright liars, even in third world. <laughs> I see in Africa, you know, some of the, the, the people that have tried to join us has only did it because they want money and have lied. You know, I've had in certain African country people even writing letters, putting my name on it. <laughs> Lying to people. So not everybody is good. But I'll make them earn my trust. And that way, once they earn your trust, now they're an asset. They're not a liability. So this is what we have to do. You have to look at everything. I've said this many times. Everything you do in life is pain or pleasure. You know, it's either to gain pain, pain gain pleasure, or avoid pain. And the human person will work ten times harder to avoid pain than to gain pleasure. So that's what we have to look at. We have to reframe things to make it more painful. And I always say the quality of our life is in the quality of the questions that you ask. You must ask better questions to get better answers. Your brain is a master computer. What you put into it is what comes out. So you don't want to ask questions like, why does this always happen to me? Because your brain is going to come up with an answer. Because you're stupid. <laughs> and then you're, oh yeah, I guess I'm stupid. That's not the... Question asked. The better question is, how can I accomplish this task and overcome and enjoy the process? The questions you type into your brain will determine the answers your brain will give. And those answers are based on what? Core values in your belief system. So your nervous system can only give out to your brain what's been implanted in there. So that's why I say, the questions you ask 
determine the answers that you're going to get from your brain, which are based on your core values and belief that's been programmed in your brain since birth. So if you have a faulty belief, you have to change it. You have to break that pattern and change it. Repetition is the mother of skill. So you have to go over this consistently. This isn't something you listen to a sermon and, oh, that was a good sermon he gave. He, yeah, there was a lot to think about. No. It's not even something you, you listen to the sermon two or three times. You have, to, you have to go through your belief system over and over and over. You have to do this. Repetition is the mother of skill. You have to consistently be going over your beliefs, consistently, consciously be meditating on them. The reality of the kingdom. And everything that you do and think must be consistent with your core values and beliefs. And here comes the problem. Because in Satan's society, everything is a contradiction. That's where Satan gets the people. Everything is a contradiction. That's what I said when I gave the message on uh, my kingdom is not of this world. All you have to do is walk out your front door and Satan's society is there. You don't have to look for it. He is the God of this world. It's everywhere. So here it is. You have these values and you have these core beliefs and you have this, these, these core values in this belief system. But in sane society, every single thing is going to be a contradiction. You know, like the Catholic Church, right? They have this thing of they don't eat meat on Friday. Now, again, it's pagan. It's not scriptural. Something that comes from paganism. But you know what happens? Somebody's getting married now on a Friday, you know, during Lent or whenever they do it. So what do they do? They go to the priest and they get a letter from the priest for this absorption that they can eat meat that Friday. It's that simple. So that's the way the world works. Because like they say in Judaism, it's the same thing. They spend half the week writing the laws and half the week getting around the laws. And if you read the Talmud and the Mishnah, that's all it is. It's every single thing, how to get around the Torah. Not just their man-made laws, but how to get around the Torah. And that's not our life, figuring that. Our life is is to substantially strengthen ourselves that we'll never compromise. That we're strengthening our core values and then we're strengthening our belief system so that we'll never compromise. So the problem in Satan society is everything is a contradiction, right? So this is why you have a young girl who you teach them from birth that they need to be pure and they need to be a virgin until they get married. And then what happens? In society today, they dress immodestly. Girls are dating at 14, 15 years old. And it's a contradiction to their core belief. It's a contradiction. So how on one sense can you say this? Yes, I believe a woman should not have relations with a man until the day of their marriage. And then you're going to go out at 14 years old and date. Or 15 years old and date. It's a contradiction to your belief system. And unfortunately, like I said, this is why... I'm surprised how many believers, especially in Western society, I meet that are unhappy. Some of them, I'd say, even border on depression. And it's because of this. It's because their life is nothing but one big contradiction. Because in one sense, they have a belief system and even core values, but they're compromising on them all the time. And then, because they're always compromising, their conscience from the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting them And instead of changing, they just live in a a life of of unhappiness and misery. So we have to make sure that we're not compromising with our core values. You know, Uh, I don't think anyone would deny that our body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. Bible says it, right? 
And yet people go out and live. I don't mean once at a feast, maybe having a piece of cake, but people living on white sugar, people living on on white flour, living on on bad foods, taking this stuff into their body. Uh, And it's a contradiction to your belief system. How can you go out on one end and say, my body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit, and then on the other end, be be filling it with all kinds of, of bad food? People say Yahweh is first in their life. They want to bear fruit. And yet maybe they're working at a cigarette factory or they're working at a, a, a drug factory like, like uh, Merck or something like that that's actually making drugs that are killing people. And if your daily work is contradicting your core values and belief, you're going to be an extremely unhappy person. And this is, this is what I see. I hate to say it. I do see it sometimes in third world because it's all over the world. Satan is the god of this world. He's not just the god of Babylon. But in Western society, I see it more than anything because it's such a society that's against the core values of Yahweh and because people are compromising. They're compromising with their family. They're compromising in their spiritual life. They're compromising in their job. They're compromising in every way. And like I said in that other message, you know, a lot of people say, well, there's no other way. What can I do? There always is another way. But if you are compromising consistently against your core values and your belief, especially in the job you work, you are going to be one miserable person and maybe even in, in, in severe depression. You will never, ever, ever be a happy person if you're living in a contradiction to your core values and belief. Believers know they need to be sanctified and yet they have iPhones. They have internet and in the home around the clock. They send children to worldly education that believes and teaches evolution. It is a contradiction to the core values and beliefs. So in one sense you're saying it But in another sense, your life is living a contradiction to it. And like I said, what that's called is a hypocrite. A hypocrite is an actor. It's somebody that's saying one thing, pretending to be one thing, but in reality, there's something else. It's a contradiction to a core value and belief. You must take action and change and get your life consistent with your core values and your belief. Jacob 1 and verse 5. Jacob 1 and verse 5 says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask from Elohim, who gives to all freely and with grace, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, doubting nothing. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, being driven by the wind, being tossed. Do not let that man suppose he will receive anything from the Almighty. He is a double-souled man, not dependable in all his ways. Double-minded, double-souled man, living a double life. You know, living a double life that's there, a compromiser. We have to get out every form of compromising in our life because it's limiting how the Holy Spirit is working. And that's why some people are growing in faith and leaps and bounds and changing and other people aren't because there's too much compromising in their life. What I'm talking about today, it's not just a concept, it's a reality. And it will not just happen. It won't happen. By listening to this sermon, and I know a lot of people write and say, wow, that was a great sermon, I'm glad. But unless you put this into practice every day of your life, nothing is going to happen. And I do. I do. I consistently in my life look at these things. I look at my belief system. I look at my values. I I am consistently assessing how it's working, how it's not working, what needs to be changed. And if you're not doing it, you're not going to change. You need to be doing this. You have to get your priorities straight. And your priorities are what you get done. You know, you could say Yahweh is your priority, but if you're spending 60 hours a week on a weekly paycheck and one or two hours on Yahweh, then it's a contradiction in your life.
We must get our lives disciplined to live as disciples. A disciple is a life of discipline. It's, 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 it's a life of, of not going after worldly pleasures, but it's a, a, a life of rejecting those worldly pleasures. It's a life of discipline. We must make a plan of action with time management based on core values and beliefs. Yeshua came to give life more abundantly. He said that in John 10.10. 10. So it's not just about surviving. You know, and even though we're living in the worst time the world has ever seen, it's like the days of Noah and the days of Lot, we should be happy. I know I'm happy. I know I'm so happy because I'm not happy about the world, but I'm happy that Yahweh's taking me out of that world. I'm happy because my life isn't like that, and that's because choices that, that me and my family have made. We've made these choices to be separated from the world. And you have to make these choices if you're going to be happy. It just doesn't happen. You can't live in Satan's world, have friends in Satan's world, work in Satan's world, and do everything in Satan's world and think you're going to come up with happiness and contradict and compromise on every single core value and belief that you have in your life as a believer. It's not going to happen. But Yeshua came to give us life more abundantly. And when you're away from the world and you are living a life like the Amish, like back in the 1800s, and your, your life is based on honesty and loyalty and friendship and core value of family and serving Yahweh and the poor, yeah, you're going to be happy. Your life will be abundant. And that's what we need to do. We need not just to endure life, but we need to enjoy the process and you can only do this if you're true to your core values and not giving in to the peer pressure of society. And that's the problem. Have an iPod, be on that internet all day long, constantly just be seeing what's going on, and you'll give in to it. One way or another, you're going to give in to it. You have to block these things out of your life. You know, I mean, there's people that are texting hours a day. You know, like I, I, I sent out in uh, one of the newsletters, children are literally growing horns, not just children, who's ever texting hour and hour. Growing horns! Because of how many hours, four or five hours a day texting, it's a waste of time. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You don't need it. You know, you need, you, you, you want to have a, a phone like the Amish do across the street from their house or something, a cell phone on uh, an hour a day when you need it, fine. But you, you don't need to be texting hours and hours and hours a day. It's not purposeful. So what is your definition of success? If you want to be successful and happy, you have to know what your definition of success is. So, uh, basically, if you look up in a, uh, a dictionary, it says, the definition of success is a favorable outcome, the attainment of wealth, accomplishment of purpose. <laughs> so, even in the dictionary, wealth is in there as success. Favorable outcome, attainment of wealth, accomplishment of purpose. But like I said, if your core belief is like the world, then your purpose is going to be very, very different. And that's why people that are in the world, and they might have, uh, their, their, their purpose is global warming. I don't know anybody that feels secure in life and fulfilled by having the purpose of global warming. It just will. It's not going to fulfill you in life. The only fulfillment, real fulfillment is going to give in life is having the fulfillment of Yahweh, of his word, of helping people, of having his spirit in you. So my definition of success, this is what I have for myself. It's being pleasing to Yahweh. By doing the best I can and enjoying the process and being satisfied with the results, but always trying to better myself for the future. So it's not a favorable outcome, right? Because if that's the case, there's people out there. I was a, uh, there was a seminar one time 
where uh, the guy who was giving the seminar was asking about this. What, what, what do you feel? Do you feel you're successful? And there was a guy who was making $700,000 a year and said he felt like a failure because all his friends make more than a million and a half. Can you imagine? So here's a guy that's making more money than 99% of the people, can have whatever he wants, the biggest house, vacations, everything. And he felt like a failure because he wasn't getting the favorable outcome because all his friends had more than he did. And that's why I say you can't look at it the way the world looks at it. That's why my, my definition of success is not a favorable outcome, according to the world, but it's being pleasing to Yahweh by doing the best I can and enjoying the process. And you know what? The best I can, I, I might be the fifth best or the sixth best or the tenth best. It doesn't matter what place I'm in because it's not competition. It's doing the best that I can. And that's why competition is of the devil. We should not be teaching our children competition. They shouldn't be competing against each other. We compete against ourselves to try to do better than what we did before. But being pleasing to Yahweh by doing the best I can and enjoying the process and being satisfied with the results. So it doesn't matter if, you know, if, if, if uh, you know, as long as you did the best you can, you need to be satisfied with the results, but always trying to better yourself for the future. And I always say, success is when preparation meets opportunity. So we need to be preparing. You need to be doing this every day of your life. We need to be preparing so when the opportunity comes, we're ready for it. Like 1 Peter 3.15, always have an answer for the hope that lies within you. If you're not studying your Bible every day, if you're not memorizing your verses, well, when somebody finally comes from nowhere, it doesn't matter. You can be at the unemployment office and you're talking with somebody and he's asking you about the Sabbath day or he's asking you about a certain scripture. And you're like, well, I know it's somewhere. Well, I know it's in the Bible, but I don't know where. You've lost your opportunity. Success is when preparation meets opportunity. We have to be preparing for that opportunity. And ultimately, we're preparing for the opportunity of serving with Yeshua in the kingdom of Yahweh. And that's day one. So we need to be preparing for that. We need to be preparing for that. Success is when preparation meets opportunity. You must know what your goal is to achieve it. That is why you have to write it down. And it's important to achieving your desired outcome. Don't just think about it. Write it down. Part of your homework now. Beside your empowering belief and disempowering belief. And reframing the disempowering belief into an empowering belief. Get a plan of action now for ministry. Get a plan of action. Look at your spiritual gifts. Think about it. Get a plan of action for ministry to achieve the goal you want. You know, whatever that goal may be. Write it down. You know, writing down is important. Like I said, they, they, they took people that graduated from college uh, X amount of years ago, and they found out that the 5% of the most successful people, it wasn't the ones that had the most education or the most money or the, the best background. It was the ones that had goals and wrote them down with the 5% of the highest income earners and the most successful people. So... We have to solidify our core values and reassess our beliefs based on the core values. So some of your beliefs you may have to change. You know, you may have to change some of these self-righteous beliefs that you have, such as, you know, if, if, we, don't, if we don't sing at least half an hour in service, then we're not really, whatever, whatever it is. If it's not based on scripture, you have to change. We have to solidify our core values, reassess our beliefs based on those core values must make sure there is no compromise in our life. Because compromise, like I said, is only going to lead to doubt. And doubt is a cancer. Proverbs 14, 14. 
I really like this scripture. It says, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, but a good man from himself. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man from himself. See, the backslider won't repent. He's always blaming somebody else. He's always looking for reasons why it didn't work. You know, it was my husband, my wife, my teacher, my children, the neighbor, you know, my, my father, my mother, you know, all these things. Always a reason why. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, always, always justifying why he's not wrong, but a good man from himself. The good person is humble enough to look into his heart to see where he's wrong and be able to change. Really like that scripture. In pride, we'll make excuses, but we have to admit our faults, repent, and change. Okay? Last scripture, 2 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 7. 2 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 7, says, For the mystery of lawlessness is already working. You know, boy, you could say that again. Until he who is now the obstacle is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be exposed, whom our master Yeshua will consume by the spirit of his mouth and will destroy by the brightness of his presence. His coming is due to the working of Satan in all power and miraculous signs and lying wonders, right? Because Satan has deceived the whole world. Because he's changed the people's core values and their belief systems, right? And now he's going to deceive them by these lying signs and wonders. And in all deceit of unrighteousness in those who will perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth in order for them to be saved. Core values, core beliefs. And because of this, Yahweh will send to them a working of deception for them to believe the lie. That those not believing in the truth but who have delighted in unrighteousness may all be damned. But we ought to thank Yahweh always concerning you, brothers, beloved by Yahweh, because Yahweh chose you from the beginning to salvation and sanctification of the Spirit and through a true faith, to which he called you through our preaching to the glory of our Master Yeshua Messiah. So then, brothers, stand firm and strongly hold the commandments you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. The commandments are what leads to our core values, which leads to our belief system. But may our Master Himself, Yeshua Messiah, and our Elohim and Father, the one having loved us and having given under everlasting comfort and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts, and may He establish you in every good word and work. So, the Bible says in John 4, Yahweh is spirit, we must worship Him in spirit and truth. And one of the greatest things that we should focus on every day of our life, and thank Yahweh every day of our life, is that he's given us eyes to see and ears to hear. Because like I said, the guy out there in the world who thinks the world is flat or thinks the Sabbath rotates by the moon or thinks that homosexuality is a life choice, he's just as convicted as we are or more convicted. The Muslim who thinks he's, he's glorifying Allah by, by slitting somebody's throat, he's more convicted than we are because he's doing something that, that, is, uh, that is radical. But it doesn't make it true. The fact that you believe something doesn't make it true. And that's why we have to look at our core values. Our core values need to be based on honesty, integrity, loyalty, hard work, loving Elohim with all our heart and our soul, loving neighbors ourselves, importance of family, never quitting or compromising, always following judicial order, always giving our best respect for Elohim. They come from the Ten Commandments. We need to be doing this because we have to look, and if there's anything in our life or in our personal belief system that is not based on the foundation of these core values and truth, we need to get rid of it. We need to get rid of all self-righteousness in our life, and only through a spirit of humility can we do this. So, how our values shape our life? Maybe when you heard it, 
when I started, I hope you understand it much more now because our core values do shape our life and every single thing we do, every decision we make, everything we believe, that is the, the foundation of our soul is our core values and those core values have to come from the word of Yahweh. Yahweh bless. Shabbat Shalom. Thank <laughs> you.